welcome to the podcast series from the specialists at Penn Medicine. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing Beyond Mohs treatment at Penn Otolaryngology, head and neck surgery. Joining me is Dr. Jason Newman. He's a professor of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery at Penn Medicine, and the director of the cancer service line at Pennsylvania Hospital. Dr. Newman, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. So what types of skin cancer and what types of procedures are you doing at the Penn Center for Head and Neck Cancer? And how has Penn advanced the algorithm for patients with skin cancers of the head and neck? Well, Melanie, we have a really large team of providers that include a combination of general dermatologists, Mohs surgeons, and then people like myself, head and neck cancer surgeons. And really what we find that is unique is the patients really have an opportunity to meet any and all of the parts of the team that they need to in order to best take care of the cancers that they have. That's a very multidisciplinary approach, which really benefits the patients, Dr. Newman. And according to the literature, many of the surgeries you're performing originate as Mohs and for whatever reason didn't excise all the cancer. So why does that happen? Do you work with the Mohs surgeons as a result? Tell us a little bit about what's happening. What happens is a lot of skin cancers have unpredictable patterns of spread, both locally, meaning within the individual tumors, as well as regionally and distant. So if a patient, for example, is sent to one of our Mohs surgeons, but the borders of the tumor appear either unclear or if the levels of deep invasion are unclear, then we really like to meet those patients preoperatively. So before they have their Mohs surgery, we have those patients meet with the Mohs surgery team and then with our team, the head and neck cancer team, in an effort to best manage their care as they move through their journey. So for example, if a patient comes in with, let's say, a cancer on the side of their cheek, we know that there's a moderate chance that as the Mohs surgeon does the surgery, they might encounter structures that could get in the way of their surgery, including things like the facial nerve or even nerves that are heading into the orbit or into the nose. And if we've met those patients in advance and they've been adequately worked up, then we can anticipate that the patient might need a second stage surgery or even just to skip the Mohs surgery altogether, depending on the scenario. So that patient, for example, might undergo a Mohs surgery to clear the peripheral margins of this tumor. Occasionally, they might get all the way to removing the entire tumor, and then we don't need to be involved in the removal of any further tumor. Or they end up realizing that the tumor actually invades into deeper structures. We've now met that patient before they'd had that surgery. So literally the very next day, they are already anticipated to be scheduled for a surgery under general anesthesia where we can remove all of the rest of the tumor, and they've already had all of their medical clearances done before that procedure, so it's a pretty seamless approach. There's also occasions where if we know that they are able to remove the entire tumor in their Mohs clinic, which they often do under local anesthesia, but reconstructing that defect would be complicated under local anesthesia, we bring that patient the next day to the operating room. We can then do a much more extensive reconstruction to include things like free tissue transfer or regional flaps that would really be hard to do, you know, in the Mohs clinic. So that really helps us manage patients up and down the chain with as little interruption of their care as possible. Well, thank you for telling us about those chief issues for surgery for these cancers and how they're addressed. So tell us a little bit about the preoperative consultation with the Mohs surgeons themselves. 
some advantages, benefits to the patient and the referring provider of these consultations. The way I look at it is that we rely largely on our dermatology and Mohs colleagues to assess these patients and help determine whether they think there's any chance that they will need something more extensive than what they're anticipating. So a perfect example would be a patient or a referring dermatologist calls up with a patient who, let's say, has a lesion underneath their eye. They are seen or called by the dermatology service, and it sounds, based on just the phone call or the assessment or the photographs, that this patient might need the involvement of the head and neck cancer team. Those patients are then sent down to Penn. They have appointments on the same day to meet with the Mohs surgery team, to meet with the head and neck cancer team, and we do a full workup. So sometimes that workup will include scans if appropriate. Sometimes it will include anticipating medical clearances. So a lot of these patients who have extensive skin cancers also have extensive other medical histories. So we'll get cardiac clearance and we'll have them see their pulmonologist or other referring providers. And all of that is done in anticipation of scheduling a surgery that involves a Mohs surgery on, let's say, a Monday, and then a reconstructive and additional resection surgery on a Tuesday. So the goal of all of that ultimately is to make sure that the cancer is completely removed, whether it involves just the Mohs surgeon alone or whether it involves the Mohs surgeon and the head and neck team. So these patients meet everybody. They're consented. They are literally put onto the schedule for Mohs and for additional procedure the next day. And depending on how things kind of lay out throughout their course, sometimes they don't even need to have the second day of procedure. So they just have the most surgery. And literally at the end of that day, we might get a phone call saying, hey, you know, Dr. Newman, we were able to clear the tumor. We were able to reconstruct the patient under local anesthesia. We're not going to need you tomorrow. And we consider that a success. That's a win. However, sometimes the most surgeon will say, hey, look, I did surgery today. We have positive margins. They're inked for us, so meaning we know where the positive margins are. The patient leaves that Mohs surgery team with a bandage, and the next day we bring them in and do the remaining parts of their surgery in order to kind of clear the rest of the tumor, give them a higher rate of success, and then importantly reconstruct them in a way that allows them to get back to as much of their normal life as possible. And really, this approach, I think, helps not only the patient, of course, but also the providers that they're meeting in the community who are in the difficult position of helping to manage these very complicated cancers. So do you pre-schedule an operating room? Does it sometimes follow that this is automatically set up in case? Yes, that's exactly right. Basically, what we do is in almost every one of these cases, we anticipate the possibility of them needing that second stage of surgery. And I think that's really one of the keys. So in comparison, let's say if you looked at the more traditional way, which we run into the situation still sometimes, patient undergoes a Mohs surgery, the Mohs surgeon for whatever variety of reasons determines that they can't safely remove the remaining tumor. Traditionally, we'd be getting a phone call late in the day saying, hey, Dr. Newman, um, I have a patient, I was unable to resect all of their tumor. I'm going to urgently send this patient down to see you. So as quickly as we can, we get that patient in, which hopefully is the same day, but not always. So unfortunately, they're then leaving the Mohs surgery center with a bandage and with no actual plan. We meet that patient. We then realize they have to have cardiac clearance or other clearances. Then we have to get time in the operating room. And that really not only delays care, but also creates a lot of difficulty for those patients. What we've done is we've said, look, we know this patient is 
likely or possibly going to need a second stage surgery. So we do create space in our operating room on that next day so that on the patient side, it feels seamless, meaning they end up undergoing their Mohs surgery. They knew there was a possibility the next day of needing a more extensive surgery. So they come down to the hospital the next day. They're prepared. They have a bandage on only overnight. And by the next day, we take them to the operating room. They've already been cleared by all of the necessary medical teams. We do their surgery. Most of these cases can be discharged the same day or sometimes the next day, depending on how extensive. And it really helps both improve the quality of their care. It improves patient satisfaction. It decreases the risk of wound problems and all kinds of other potential complications that can occur when you're leaving wounds unmanaged for a while. And of course, it also, most importantly, gets the cancer out as quickly as possible. Before we wrap up, can you discuss a little bit about the referral process for us? What, for example, might require an urgent referral or patient transfer? So we work with dermatology teams all over the region. We have colleagues and connections throughout the entire Philadelphia area. Really, all that it takes, if you are a dermatologist or a Mohs surgeon in the community, I would say there are kind of two separate thoughts I would have. Number one is if there are patients that you meet that you anticipate have the need for something more complicated being done, even if there's only a small chance of it, I would encourage you to have that patient seen by a member of our team. We will see the patient before you do the Mohs surgery. We will then coordinate the surgery that you will plan as a Mohs surgeon and that we will then help with if needed. What I would say is no one should feel bad if we don't end up being needed for that second part of the day. Again, I call that a win. No one is upset by the lack of us needing to meet that patient afterwards. The more urgent scenario is when you meet a patient, you do a Mohs surgery, you are not anticipating the need for a more complex procedure, but halfway through the procedure, you realize you do. I would also still encourage you to call our team. We are absolutely available and here to help manage the next steps of that patient. One of the things I would discourage you from doing is deciding that radiation or other modalities would be the next choice instead of considering an additional surgery to get negative margins. So I think those are the two separate sets of circumstances that would make me encourage you to consider really getting our team involved in the care of your patients. Dr. Newman, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. To refer to Dr. Newman or the Beyond Mohs Treatment Team at Penn Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery, you can always visit our website at pennmedicine.org refer, or you can call 877-937-PENN. That concludes this episode from the specialists at Penn Medicine. Please remember to download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Penn Medicine podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.